Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. You can listen and subscribe to the show for free on Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Blog Talk Radio, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. For network or show information, visit FightRadio.me. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my special guest is Anne Papiotti, and we will be talking about her new book, The Gift of Shift, Discover the Key Within to Unlock Your Best Life. Anne Papiotti has endured some of life's most brutal blows. Her college best friend deliberately stealing her high school boyfriend. The loss of an infant child shortly after he was thought to be out of danger. A belligerent and abusive husband. A child born with epilepsy. A family suicide. Being bitten by a poisonous snake that resulted in months of chronic illness before being diagnosed. Relinquishing a cherished foster teen whose actions threatened Anne's family, and more. And despite them all, Anne found the gift hidden within each of these experiences, the gift of choice and how to respond to the challenge. In her new book, The Gift of Shift, Discover the Key Within to Unlock Your Best Life, Anne uses many of these experiences to show how one can open that gift lovingly, Instead of freezing up, becoming resistant, or giving in to depression, resignation, or other unhealthy emotions, one can choose a better, more life-affirming, adaptable approach that can lead to new possibilities and a better pathway forward. Anne is an international life, leadership, and relationship coach. She is dedicated to waking people up to living their best life by helping them untangle from their past, align with their values, and connect to their higher purpose. And captivates, educates, and inspires audiences by sharing her personal experience of loss, transition, and triumph. She connects with clients in person and online through one-on-one and group coaching, speaking engagements, various teaching platforms, blogs, and magazine articles, and is known for the personal and compassionate way she leads people to their own insights and growth, and has attained the International Coach Federation Accredited Professional Certified Coach Level, is a certified uh, practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming, NLP, and is a member of the Association of Integrative Psychology. You can learn more by visiting in at her website, which is www.skyviewcoaching.com. With that, I'd like to welcome Anne to the show. Good day, Anne. Hi, Robert. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much for being here with me today and sharing your your book and your insights. Um, Boy, shift. <laughs> I think over the last couple of years, people, no shift. <laughs> so, uh, 
Yes. Let's yeah, let's start with first, you know, I'm always interested since inspiration is kind of my thing with the show. Um, how did you and, and your co-author, uh, Tracy McDonald, come up with the title of The Gift of Shift? Thank you for asking because it was really a phone call where we were having fun talking about things that we love, and we are both self-proclaimed personal growth junkies, but we were talking about the power of perspective and the ability to, to shift to create momentum in life. And I think it was around the holidays, and we, you know, one of us said, well, it sounds like there's a, there's a gift in shifting, and we ended up taking that title and collaborating and creating a workshop. And we did that for years, and it was just in 2020 that we agreed to put it into a book form. And, of course, that, the style of the books, nothing like the workshop. The, the content is very different, but the goal to help people learn how to shift and that there is a gift in that uh, was met. Yeah. Boy, the power of perspective, it, it is so true that um, just a, a shift in perspective can completely transform um, a, an experience that, that one has. Now, now the, the subtitle of your book is Discover the Key Within to Unblock your, Unlock Your Best Life. Um, so tell us a little bit about the idea of it's within us to be able to make that, that shift. Absolutely. The, the, it's all in us. It's power of choice. But we can't always see options and choices when we are sunk, so to speak, when we've let an experience in life um, take us under. And But it's in us. So next it's up to us, Robert, to create the shift and, and shift. You know, it's, it's all about movement. I think about potential. I think about energy. And potential is just potential until there's movement, right? And so we all have the potential to experience life differently despite our circumstances, but we have to create this movement and, and allow the shift to occur to do that. So the, the subtitle, Discover the Key Within to Unlock Your Best Life, is about that you hold the key, but will you use it? You can unlock your yeah. life, absolutely. And, and some of us, no doubt, Robert, you know, depending on where we're at and what we're experiencing, need a little help finding those options and seeing how to use the key. And that's why there are, are, are people like you doing this, this show and, and, and people like me and, and my co-author, Tracy, who serve as coaches and try to help people uh, by being a guide so to speak, to help them if they can't find it. But the way this book is laid out, I think that uh, there are many people who can get it from here and start unlocking, but I do recognize not everyone can do it alone. Yeah. Since you mentioned the, the way that the book is designed, can you tell us a, a, a little bit about, I mean, because it's more than just reading. Um, you have actually created um, – Experience for people to personalize the the information. So, can you tell us about you know why you chose that and and what went into you know determining 
how that personalization is going to look. Absolutely. For one thing that I need from my clients and from teaching workshops and, and personal development for adults throughout the years, that uh, people struggle with self-help books. They want them and they want the message from them, but often they find them uh, over their heads or they find that they're too academic or they don't get to the how to apply it to their life. So Tracy Knight decided that the gift of ship needed to be a collection of personal stories. And we decided to keep it short to prevent overwhelm. So certainly not all the details are there, but short, personal, sometimes quite intimate stories because people hear their truth in someone else's story. And sometimes they have their little insight or their aha moment. While their story would be different, the theme of the story is common to all of us in life. And so we have 12 stories, 12 things that are relatable to everyone. But after each short story are five coaching questions around that theme and how it has played out in the reader's life. So it gives them an opportunity to have like a guided uh, journal or a self-reflection about that theme. And our, our goal, Robert, was to have people either remember and recognize a strength or a character trait in them that got them through something related to this story so that they could use it to tap into now to help them with the current challenge or recognize by doing the self-reflection and the questions that they're still stuck in this story, so to speak, of their past and use those questions to help create the shift and start that momentum to help them move through it and beyond it. And then we allow them space to then write their own story if they choose to. The questions and how they've answered them sort of become their outline. Uh, and not everybody likes to write, but I know people who struggle to journal have shared with me the fact that the questions are there to prompt them, it allows them to open up and, and start moving through this, this thought process. Yeah, it is, it is, it's good to have those, those prompts there, you know, because, um, again, you know, I think one, like you said, one of the biggest challenges with, um, self-help books is the application of, of what's mm -hmm. there. And, and even if, um, uh, one doesn't, um, you know, one particular question really doesn't, you know, lead to particular insights, but it may prompt some other thoughts. You know, or a or, or different way of looking at. It. Um, now, you mentioned, you know, the um, the recognition that uh, when it comes to shifting, uh, many people sometimes can't find an alternative. Like, yeah. well, when I read your book. Um, I noticed in one point you talked about the personal story of being married um, three, three months later and recognizing that that uh, it wasn't right, but nonetheless you were you stayed in that situation for for many years. Now, mm -hmm. or for some people, I, I think what happens sometimes is people lose the um, sense that there is an alternative. Yes. Now, not everything will have a Houston, like your son, you know, to yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
but um, that's right. So, can you tell, talk, talk to the people out there right now who may be in a similar position where they know something's not right, but they're finding it difficult to recognize an alternative. Yes. So this is really leads into what I call you got to do some soul CPR. <laughs> you got to check in with yourself and you got to say, okay, something's not right. So the first question is, uh, why are you not trusting yourself about that and then taking action? So next you got to figure out, how did I get here? What led me here? And then what emotion is keeping me stuck? What emotion is, <laughs> is, is creating the pain that I am now uh, stuck in either being at the effect of life, you know, being victimized by it or in conflict with it, rather than being at the cause of my life. And when you can start asking yourself these kinds of questions, then the next choice is simply taking responsibility for your life. Now, in my specific story, and this is another reason I shared this story, uh, I stayed in this marriage, like, as you said, years after, and I knew at three months into it I'd made a mistake. But I, what kept me stuck was fear, scared of uh, judgment from my community. My No one in my family was divorced. I was uh, embarrassed that I had ended up in a relationship that was emotionally abusive. I was uh, scared of my husband, literally. He was a, a narcissist and an and abusive narcissist and kept me kind of in this place of fear. And, and if anybody's listening, know that narcissistic abuse syndrome is a real thing. You will doubt yourself and believe them because they're master manipulators. So I had fallen into this trap. And... I thought, okay, even my religion kept me stuck because my Southern Baptist community was, you know, in my mind, I'll say that, let me say, in my mind would not be supportive of me leaving a marriage. I had said, for better or worse, for richer or poorer, I made these vows to God and man, and, well, worse is what I got. It's my, that's my gig, you know. So I, my thoughts, it's our belief systems, and often the ones that are related to fear that will keep us stuck. So it took this, in my story, I believe that everyone, you know, starts creating shift and momentum in their life. There's a moment of being ready for change and opportunity crossing paths at the same time. And I felt myself I, almost being groomed to be ready. And I hadn't quite quite gotten there until my son was the catalyst. And when a 22-month-old just calls right from wrong out in the moment to both his parents, I'm like, that's it. That was my opportunity. And I describe in this chapter, it's called The Gift of Grits, because it was it was about the courage to leave. It's courage is doing something in spite of fear. And I was scared. but I, And I describe it as being like on a high dive because I'm scared of heights and and I can remember that feeling when you're not allowed to come back down the ladder and you're standing on the dining board, but you're too scared to jump. And it was in that moment when when my son 
at 22 months stood up between us and said, no, Dada, no, Mama, Dada, that, that I said, now. And I dove, and it was both frightening and exhilarating, but I, I told my husband he had to leave in that moment, and he laughed at me. It wasn't an easy, it's never easy to break up with a narcissist, and um, but I did not look back. I took that that first step, I went off the diving board, and I found that new freedom, and I said, I am moving forward despite my fear from this point on. Yeah, um, I have to laugh because when, when I was going through the, the book um, and I saw the gift of grit, um, <laughs> I, I chuckled. I'm going to keep it in South Carolina, and I, I do not like grit, <laughs> but I just I have it. <laughs> Come on, no shrimp and grits. What's that? I said in South Carolina, not even shrimp and grits. <laughs> even shrimp and grits. I don't know. You know, I think it's that, like you described in that chapter about it being ground to the sand-like. And to me, it's, it's sand-like. Yeah. But anyway, yes. it's just a personal. I, but I just, you know, I chuckled because it was like I needed to go look at that chapter real quick, you know, just kind of see what's around. Yeah. And I thought you were talking about having the grit to to make changes and to to take that leap of faith. And, you know, and that, you know, it made sense. And then, of course, you, you tied it all together at the end about um, exactly um, why grit fit into the into that particular um, situation. But it, but it was good. So, um, and... and you know, when you described that it being fearful and exhilarating at the same time, you know, I think, you know, I, my mind went immediately to that, uh, you know, jumping off the board, uh, the high high board, um, that there is that fear, but once you do it, you know, you, you do get that um, exhilarating feeling. That's right. And, and once you've done something once, you recognize you can do it again. And by that, I mean an act of courage. So that is, again, as I was saying, each of these chapters, people may be beyond one of these uh, themes, but we forget our our successes because we focus on, you know, our losses and our struggles and our obstacles. And so that was part of it. They may have overcome this in their life or they think they have, and then they recognize there's still a little grain of something hanging in there. But Yes, for, and if anybody's listening that's not familiar with grits, they do. They come from the grain of corn, which is considered, you know, a very hardy grain. But grits have been ground up till there's almost nothing left, resembling that original, you know, kernel. And then it is that tiny little sand-like substance. And I know that's why a lot of people don't like to eat them because it's gritty. But and that's what they feel like when you hold them in your hand. But when you put them in hot water long enough. And you watch what happens. You know, they grow. They take a they they take a new shape, and they become hardy again in a new way. And I think that's why I used that um, analogy. Being from Alabama originally, I was like, okay, gotta have some grits in here. But that's how I see courage. Yeah. Well, you know, it is. It, it was it, it was a good visualization to. Um, bring home the idea of, of the courage and, and strength um, that one mm-hmm. can, can go from that. Um, yes. what, what was your 
biggest challenge in writing the gift of shift? I believe Tracy would agree with me that it was literally sharing our vulnerabilities in writing was the the, the biggest challenge because we well specifically me because I've led workshops for more than 25 years for uh, separation divorce recovery and I've been in this uh, space of of adult education for so long that I shared my stories verbally in in these groups to help people then you know open up to share their own and to to give them an, an a way to connect with me and to to find what I had to say relevant, to recognize that I'd been there before them and I could then shine a flashlight on their path, so to speak. But putting putting it in writing is a different story. Uh, it just becomes a little more um, vulnerable, and we had to coach each other through that process. I, you know, maybe would share too much sometimes, and Tracy struggled to show the emotional side. She's an excellent you know, facilitator and teacher, but to get her to tell her her truth and get and, and bear it down uh, took some effort. And and I think for me to find the balance of how much to share and uh, to keep it for this bigger audience that I don't know who all is going to read it, whereas in these other formats that I would be working, I got close to the audience, and I knew what was relevant for them. So it was finding that balance that we had to help one another with. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a challenge. You know, I, I know when I wrote my first book, Joy Potential, I had a, a friend, kind of a sounding board, you know, that I was as, as I was going through the process, and and early on, um, I got feedback it's like, you know. You gotta have some emotion. <laughs> you know, you gotta, you gotta, there's gotta be, cause I, my background was, uh, corporate training. So I was a corporate <laughs> trainer in banking and restaurant industry. And my book was like a training manual, you know, not very emotional. Um, yeah. but once, once I recognized that, okay, emotion, hmm, you know, and, and you're right. Once you lay it out there, you know, that emotion, um, it is a vulnerable place to be, um, but if what you're trying to do is help those, you know, cope with or work through emotions, it's kind of like a, a necessary component that has to be, it's kind of like you have to show emotion to be able to tap in and, you know, elicit emotion back from from either your readers or your participants. Exactly, exactly. And I know I, I have a corporate training background too. So and and the the way this all started for me was being a participant in a support group for myself when I went through divorce. And they tapped into me then because of my corporate training background and asked me to take over leading the group. And I said, but I'm not healed. I'm not ready to lead people through this. But they said, you know, they said you can't help but help yourself when you're helping someone else. And your healing will will continue and your growth will continue as you lead this. And so I first tapped into that skill set, but I I was thrown into, yes, you, you've got to, it's the emotion. That is where we get stuck. So 
um, I did learn that quickly first as a participant and then in leading, you know, the community, for the community, I realized you know, this is just a little different than what I do at work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and particularly if you're looking at changing behavior um, mm -hmm. and, and doing things, um, emotions are really kind of uh, the juice that feeds the, you know, the engine to make changes. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. That's right. It's like I think of the, the E in emotion. I probably read this somewhere, and I don't know whom to give credit to, but, you know, emotion, E is like energy, motion. That's what they're supposed to – we're supposed to be moving through with our emotions. We're not supposed to get stuck with an emotion. You know, when you watch a child – uh, or children interacting, and one gets mad at another. They, you know, they re once it's you know, they may need a little help resolving it, but then they're past it and they're they're back on the playground together. And they get sad and they're mad and they're um, and, it, and it comes in and out, and that's the idea of emotion. There should be motion to it. And Tracy has a wonderful quote in the book uh, from spiritual teacher Muji, who says something along the the lines of. Uh, emotions are like visitors, and I'm not a hotel. Let them come and let them go, right? So it's the goal is don't let don't let them check in and stay and hang out longer than needed. So with awareness work and going back to you know when someone knows something's not right, that's your first signal of awareness. And with that awareness, and then figuring out okay where what emotion am I holding on to? And often it's whatever, you know, are you, are you, uh, are you, you know, mad or sad are the two simple words, but what's happening here and what is the truth? Because when we start peeling that back, usually on some level it's we don't feel good enough, worthy to, to be somewhere different. Like I said, I didn't, I thought I was stuck in this marriage. I guarantee you, I my thoughts when I went back and really looked at them that were creating my feelings and emotions were I was not worthy and mm. of of having a different experience, and therefore I rendered myself incapable of having having a different experience. So um, I could not see those options in the you know as early on uh, when I knew something was not right. Yeah. Well, when you're in in the midst you know, of a storm, it, it's hard to see the center, the calm, you know. And mm -hmm. So, by the way, I, uh, we're going to be taking a break in a few minutes, so I do want to invite listeners, if you'd like to call in and ask any, Anne any questions, you can call in at 619-789-4359. And for those listening live in the chat room, if you have any questions for Anne, feel free to pose them, and we'll get to them right after the break. Um, so what was the most difficult chapter for you to write? That's an interesting question because I've thought about this a lot, and it, people would assume it would be the gift of Charlie Brown, which is where I share the story of the loss of my first son and, and the grief that I went through the and, and, and coming eventually through and beyond that. But it was actually the gift of JOMO. Do you know that acronym, Robert, JOMO? 
Well, I do now, <laughs> but, okay. but I was very familiar with FOMO. <laughs> okay, yes, I think most of us are familiar with FOMO, the fear of missing out. JOMO is the opposite, the joy of missing out. And the, this chapter I was writing after the pandemic had um, had hit, and we were all kind of in the same storm, not necessarily in the same boat, just all in the same storm at the same time. And Tracy and I started writing in January of 2020, so, you know, then everything started really coming to fruition for all of us, um, all this uncertainty and change in March. So by the time I was writing this chapter, I felt like I had to acknowledge what was happening. I had to, to you know, to do justice to the reader knowing it would be published at some time, not knowing when the pandemic, would, would this be post-pandemic, would, what would life be like? But I had to make it relevant to that. I knew my previous Jomo FOMO story, which I share about giving up my career to allow my husband to, to pursue advancement in his and moving out of the country, moving to Canada. And then here I was, you know, starting over with all the fears or potential fears of what if this marriage doesn't work out? My career has, is my financial independence, and now I'm taking a risk on that. Uh, and then I, I weigh the FOMO, JOMO as a dance, like a dance. This all went through my head. But I get to stay home with the kids finally, so there's the joy. Um, well, I'm giving up all my – everything I've built my career is being groomed up in the, in the organization. Okay, well, what can I do with my skill sets? How can I serve while I'm – allowed now to be a stay-at-home mom, something I had always desired. So there's a stance of FOMO, JOMO, and when the pandemic hit, I think we all did it, consciously or unconsciously, a dance with the fear of missing out and the joy of missing out. And, you know, in the beginning, Robert, some people were like, all right, I get to stay home. And other people were like, I, I have to stay home. And so the people who were able to choose JOMO over FOMO, and it really is a mindset, chose it. They, they found ways to work with what they had. So we saw and read a lot of stories of people learning how to bake and to sew and to garden and uh, getting back to the basics in their relationships and in their family life. And we saw other people who got more stuck in the, the FOMO side of the dance, and there was a lot of resistance and hate and anger and focused on what they could not have, can't go to the restaurant, can't go to the gym, can't, 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 and, um, and they missed out on the opportunity for joy. So, again, circumstances don't change. It's how we experience them. It, being all in that same storm at the same time, everybody it went through some kind of FOMO. Right. Not everybody found JOMO. And as businesses closed, and I don't mean to make light of any of this, but we saw the we saw people get creative. How can I use my skill sets differently? So, like when I relocated to Montreal, I took my skill sets from the corporate training background and project management, and I became the Sunday school teacher, and I became the uh, the in charge of the school prom, and I became I took my project management and my facilitation skills, and I found how to insert them. And what we saw here, uh, say, in businesses, people found a way. They got creative. How can I do what I do differently? And those are the ones 
uh, for the most part, who survived, especially in small business, when I speak to those owners, uh, they had to do things differently yeah. to change yeah, their experience. Right yeah, yeah, yeah. We, um, and when I read that section, um, one of the things that kind of jumped out at me was, first of all, the the recognition of fear, you know, that, that mm-hmm. was the joy. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. Um, I, you know, I've and, – and then the missing out aspect. So, I mean, we have basically an emotional component with a, a maybe an expectation or a desire, that whole missing out of, you know, something. Um, and, you know, it was, it was really, it was just really interesting to, um, now I know for me in the future when I have my next FOMO moment, you know, because <laughs> I'm sure there's somewhere, you know, but, um, when that happens, I know for me, now having read that, that section, is the first question I'm, I'm going to ask myself is, what am I afraid of? Why fear? Why is fear mm-hmm. that I'm Absolutely. Why fear? And, you know, for some people, FOMO is a almost a debilitating thing. You know, there's the fear of rejection, the fear of not being able to please, so not meeting expectations. Um, there's there's a, a lot of different things that might require someone to do some deeper work on that, but to ask yourself, yeah, what is the root of my fear? And how can I turn this into JOMO? How can I shift it to JOMO? And if you recognize um, that the opposite of fear is love, some people say courage. No, courage involves fear. (laughs) But the opposite of fear is love. So how can I choose love in this moment in some way? How can I let this not be a closed door but look up from the depths of my loss and, and pain and see perhaps an open door. And I think that, uh, I think that the FOMO JOMO dance, you know, one's going to win. One's going to last longer than the other. So, you know, I said, I figured I chose joy. I chose it out of love over this fear, this place of lack and, and risk and necessity even. And I, and I did the dance long enough until I was able to tell Thomo to go sit in the corner. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's, I, I think, you know, it's, you know, important for people to recognize that there is a, an alternative to FOMO. You know, there is an mm-hmm. alternative to it. So, well, we are um, a little past halfway. Um, so, and I want to go ahead and take that break. And then when we come back, I want to talk about a couple of the common themes um, in the, the gift of shift, okay? Wonderful. Thank you. Everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us, and I hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows, along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,600 shows that we have had during the past 12 years. 
Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, nature photography, calendars, and 5x7 photo greeting cards. Our show is a free podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms on the top of our homepage. Our website, ByteRadio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone. Thank you for staying with us again today. My special guest is Anne Papiotti, and we are talking about her new book, The Gift of Shift, Discover the Key Within to Unlock Your Best Life. Again, you can find out more by visiting her website, which is skyviewcoaching.com. And also, Anne has a free soul CPR gift that's available by visiting skyviewcoaching.com forward slash soul hyphen CPR hyphen free hyphen gift. <laughs> so this also is the in the code description. So well and thanks for staying with me. Um yes. before we talk about some of those common themes, um I just mentioned the soul CPR gift. Tell us what that is. That is a mini course that I'm uh, giving as a gift to the audiences, and it is it starts with a, there's a video introduction, and then there is a downloadable workbook, and I'm going to take you through a process again with questions, much like the book, but I'm going to have you connect the dots. That's the C in CPR, understanding how you got to where you are, because we have to look back first and recognize, you know, where were there detours on our path, you know. I'm someone who had my, my life planned out. I'm a box checker, a risk maker, you know. And, and when life turned upside down, I could then pinpoint, you know, all these detours and, and recognize where I um, betrayed myself, so to speak, in uh, along the path that I knew was where I should be and what was right for me and what was true for me. So connecting the dots and then pinpointing the pain. Again, that's that emotion. Where am I stuck? What am I still carrying around that's creating obstacles for me now? Am I having conflicts in relationships? Um, if I'm struggling to speak up in a in a staff meeting, you know, what is it that is doesn't feel right? So we can say, okay, let's get real with it. So I'm going to guide them through a process to start kind of releasing that emotion. And then the R in the CPR is to recover your truth. That's then I'm going to take them through an exercise to really, you know, strip your values down to the core. Because when we have been stopped in our tracks and detoured and, and you know, all these in these crossroads, if we, we're willing to look within to find that emotion, now we can get down, get to the core. And the idea of the CPR is a lot of people just, I find, just hold their breath through life, you know, waiting on the next thing to happen. 
when we've got to revive who we are, revive our souls, and that starts with recovering our truth. So that is what's available, and I hope people will take advantage of it, and I'd love to hear from you. And if I can help anyone beyond that, um, then please just reach out. Great. That, that's wonderful. Thank you for offering that to, to the listeners. Um, now, you mentioned betrayal, and, and that is um, a thing um, in the gift of shift. So can you tell us um, uh, basically what people can do to shift from uh, the fact that it's, it's often a very painful experience? It is. And because of the work I do with separation and divorce, I, it's, it's so common for people to feel betrayed in, in, in some way, um, whether it's, you know, intimate infidelity or financial infidelity or within the family, you know, how if you're, there's just all kinds of ways that betrayal shows up, but it's definitely a common thing, and I think everyone has felt betrayed in their life on some level. And what betrayal does is it just, turns our world upside down, and it's considered by psychologists one of the most painful human experiences is to go through betrayal. So I, I keep saying go through because that's movement, because not all of this is something to go through and not get stuck in. When To shift from the mindset of betrayal, when, we're, when we have been betrayed, we definitely uh, are one of two places. We're going to be in victim mode or in conflict mode. And victim mode, C, where we don't do anything because we feel helpless and hopeless and defeated and we avoid kind of facing what, what we can do for ourselves because we don't even recognize that there, like you said before, that there are any options or alternatives. And if we're in conflict, we're angry and frustrated, humiliated and embarrassed. And again, you know, that's like hiding from the truth. That's not addressing the truth. And the lesson in betrayal, and I want everyone to hear this, is that no matter what anyone else says or does, whatever their choices, they're not about you. And we tend to make betrayal about us. You know, what was wrong with me? Was I not what, how was I not good enough? Was I not pretty enough, tall enough, smart enough, strong enough, didn't make enough money? What is it? And we try to make their choice about us, but it's not. And so we're the ones that continue the, the suffering of betrayal. What happened, happened. The pain has happened. If we would learn to grieve the loss, the loss of the relationship, the loss of the friend, the loss of the spouse, whatever it is, in our case of betrayal, grieving is. A, a pain medication and it, it, is how I see it because otherwise we start, um, uh, we're avoiding. And, and I know in my case of betrayal, I started self-betraying. I started self-sabotaging. I call it the overs and the unders. Robert, I was, you know, over drinking, overeating, underperforming, underachieving. And those things all went against my true nature. So I was betraying myself. What had happened had happened. They had moved on, and I was stuck in this place still asking questions. And the way I think that, you know, when we were a child, there was always someone to help resolve conflict. You know, you went to the principal's office or you, uh, a parent sat down and, and worked you through it. But in, when we're adults, a lot of times we have to accept 
things happen without ever getting resolution or understanding the why. But do not make it about yourself. Anything anybody says or does is about them and not about you. So don't personalize it. Grieve it. Go through that emotion. Allow it. Validate it. Acknowledge the pain of it. But also then start taking responsibility for your life. And that's the only way out of victim or conflict energy is to choose to take responsibility for how you're experiencing things. And that's when I say this is the, this is the let go place. And I call it forgiveness, and I do not define it as Mother Teresa-level forgiveness. But the level of forgiveness, when you take responsibility here, is to let go of anyone, anything, any thoughts, any experience that will sink you back down into the depths of being victimized or in conflict with them or it. And so that letting go is a, is a release. It's a type of forgiveness, and I've had to redefine forgiveness. It is not about condoning, excusing someone's choices. It's about accepting that they were about them and not about you so that you can cooperate with time to heal and move forward into your best life. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Mother Teresa level forgiveness. Yes. Yeah, that would <laughs> But, you know, I mean, it's, you know, it's so true that uh, forgiveness or the lack of forgiveness can can be only damages you, only damages the individual who mm-hmm. is harboring, you know, that um, energetically. And, and yeah. uh, so, you know, I think it's, like you say, it's just really important that it's, you know, you're not condoning um, activity, um, you're not, you know, saying it's okay, but it's, it's simply you're not allowing it to um, hold you back or, or to, that's right. to keep you going. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's it. It's that, um, that releasing the toxicity of the thoughts you have about it, the story you're telling yourself about it. And that's why the shift here is to 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 change your beliefs. And somebody, yeah, I was talking to somebody and they said, you know, belief systems, that's all BS. <laughs> I'm like, oh, the deeper belief, the S for systems. Yes, our belief systems will hold us back. So when you're believing that you have something to do with why you were betrayed, then you are holding on to the toxicity of that mm-hmm. event, right? And so, and that can create other toxic life patterns because then we want to numb ourselves and what's our numbing agent of choice. Well, some people overspend, they overshop, some people over Netflix binge and they, you know, they sink into the abyss of their sofas and mindlessly um, consume and eat and, and miss out on life in that way. And other people, you know, over drink, over eat. Whatever the numbing agent is of choice or, or even, you know, drug, in the worst case scenario, the most risky scenario, people are, are doing uh, drugs. And we know the opioid crisis now that, that our country is facing. But that's all temporary anesthesia trying to numb the pain. And the only way, the only way is to move through the pain Acknowledge it, experience it, and take responsibility for now releasing whatever would keep you suffering. 
so that you do not have to make these other kind of choices because those are the choices that will also keep you stuck. Yeah, they may help to avoid the pain. They may help to numb it, at least temporarily, but they're still keeping you in that victim conflict energy in life. Yeah, yeah. And it keeps you from experiencing that your best life, like, like you indicated in the yes. uh, past. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you have a, a wonderful section called um, In the, the the Gift of Be Beautiful. <laughs> B-E-A-U-Tiful. Um, so <laughs> tell, tell us about that, because, I mean, again, some, there are several areas in your book that are kind of um, perspective shifters for me, yeah, and you know, mm-hmm. and now, now beautiful is going to be one of those words that uh, kind of has a different meaning. So tell, tell us about um, that particular uh, section in, in your experience. Absolutely. This is all about knowing who you are and saying I do to you. So Again, working with a lot of of separation and divorce, it's not always a betrayal. Sometimes it's just the little things that have built up and created walls and and chasms between people, and they can't uh, find that that bridge or the the way to climb. Even mountains sometimes are between people over what we now call irreconcilable differences, and it doesn't have to be that way. When we take responsibility for ourselves and how we show up and stay responsible to others rather than for them, it gives us – there's some freedom that can happen here and allow us to um, be ourselves, show up true to ourselves, allow others to be who they are, and that's freedom. And this chapter is about my uh, second marriage, my my current husband, and, and we have all those same kind of foundational values. He's Greek, I'm Alabamian, but you know we we re- <laughs> recognize that while there were differences in our cultures, the core values were the same. We didn't have anything that would be a deal breaker value. We made sure that second marriage for both of us. I had a son. Uh, that would be coming into this marriage, and, and then eventually we had a, a child together as well. But here we were, and and what what's happening in our marriage were little things were building up. And when I finally recognized that it was I was responsible for being myself rather than getting caged like a lioness and pacing because what I found was a big like rubbing against me in our marriage. You'll know what your values are when you know what rubs against you. Well, on time is a high value for me. I had no idea that what a value it was, but thinking back, my dad always taught me, if you're not early, you are late. Well, my Mediterranean husband is like, no, and he always would get in the shower at the time to go or something, and I would stay frustrated frustrated by his lack of awareness or respect of time because it was a high value for me. Not a high value for him. High value for work, but social settings, no. So he was able to separate it. I was not. And um, we're at a wedding uh, out of town at a hotel, and he chose to take a nap. And I and say, well, we have to leave by this time. We have to, and I decided I'm not going to say anything else. 
I'm just going to go on time whether he's ready or not. Well, I left him sleeping, and I went on to the wedding on time, and he showed up at the reception looking like a groom left at the altar because I had never done that. I was calm, whereas before I would, like I said, I'd be like, feel like I'm in a cage and pacing and frustrating and, and nagging, I'm sure, for him to come on, and that was not going to change his values. So what we learned in that was I could relax in things that weren't important. He, like going to the movies. Okay, I could miss the previews. <laughs> We're going to be late. It's a fact. He could step it up because on time was important to me for things that were more, um, you know, special. So that was, that's part of compromise in any healthy relationship. But until we recognize that, until I quit compromising myself and my own values, and stood up. We didn't have that healthy discussion and recognize this was creating issues. You know, it was one thing to laugh about at times, but I, I found that I had a lot of resentment building up about being late. And uh, he did not recognize it until this moment. And it really opened up our relationship in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, that kind of, those kind of differences, like, um importance of time, being on time and, and um you know culturally there there you know we have so many differences that can um be displayed, you know, uh you know, that kind of can possibly create uh problems. But I mean when you when you're you're when two cultures come together you know, I think it's just really important to recognize that, you know, what is important to one may not be important to another, um, and that those are areas that need to be um, looked at, you know, and, and you know, where, where now your your father's, you know, if you're not early, you're late, kind of um, yeah. active, you know, Maybe being on time, you know, is is isn't bad. Oh, now being late, I'm not. You know, you know, some people. I know I have difficulty sometimes with people who aren't prompt. I mean, you know, give or take, you know, few minutes, five minutes. But but I mean, you know, if I if I make plans, you know, to be with someone at a particular time and they're not there. You know, within a reasonable time. Um, I, I feel that it's like a, um, a slight on me in the sense that mm-hmm. they don't recognize my time. You know, I mean, I'm here yeah. because we agreed and, um, mm-hmm. you, you know, you don't place that kind of importance. So, you know, those are the kinds of things. And, and there was, you know, of course you can adjust. I mean, I had a friend who was constantly, I mean, she was consistently late. Every single time, until the point where when our we would tell them we were meeting at a certain time, which would be you know like a half hour before we were really going to meet, you know. Yeah. Uh, yes. And believe it or not, that worked. You know, that was, it was. But you know, you kind of have to you know be careful with that in a way. But but that was one of the ways that my friends and I um, worked with. Our friend who, you know, just didn't have that connection to being 
the time. Didn't have that connection to, that it was important to be anywhere, that it was just kind of more important that she did her thing, you know, and, and recognized that, oh, yeah, Robert, and, you know, but, you know, he'll be, he'll be okay. <laughs> exactly. And, and what I would ask people to ask themselves is how does conflict show up in your relationships because of a compromised value? And if you're compromising, on time sounds like a high value for you as well, Robert, and or time in general, and because it feels disrespectful to us. That's how we know it's a value. And so how does conflict show up in our relationships? Because we compromise one of our values to accommodate theirs. And it doesn't have to be that way. We can let people be who they are and experience the consequences <laughs> of the agreement with that. Right. I tried to trick a set setting clock up too. It worked sometimes, but then he learned I was always doing that and I decided I'm not gonna <laughs> be responsible for that. I'm gonna allow him to uh to miss miss the wedding with me or step mm-hmm. it up and and show up and that's what he did, and again, I then I was able to also relax in those other places that weren't so important. Okay, this this is something we can be a half hour late to. This is something that is not, you know, arrive at the set time and recognize the cultural differences and allowing for that. And and just uh, again, taking charge of how I experienced, taking responsibility for how I experienced life and circumstances. And we don't want to, you know, lose a friendship over it or a marriage over it. Mm-hmm. It is truly about saying I do to yourself first and then communicating to others what's important. Yeah, exactly. Well, and our hour is just about up and just flown by. Um, yeah. what, what do you hope that uh, the readers are going to take away from, from reading The Gift of Shift? I hope the readers will notice their lives, you know, really wake up to living and notice it and pay attention to what has a grip on on their heart. So when you pay attention to life, and and I tell in uh, the gift of buoyancy that my dad taught me how to swim in a lake back home in Alabama, but he insisted I learn how to float first. And I remember being impatient with that because I wanted to be able to swim and he said, but if you only learn how to swim, you'll wear out and you could drown. You're going to learn how to float first. And I, I see this, that's what I'm, we're allowing you to do in this book is to float, is to self-reflect in these chapters or be, just beyond these chapters with the questions and pay attention to what's not serving you well. Where do you need some momentum? What has a grip on your heart? Maybe it's something from the past that needs to be released, and the lesson's always in letting go. I can promise you that. But what if it's a, something, a grip on your heart that's yet to happen, and what do you need for that and to create that change? So that's what I hope they get from it is this awareness and the recognition. The power is in them and up to them. The key, they hold the key to unlock their best life. Yeah, yeah, that's real important. And I know – reading your book, uh, I, I wrote several opportunities for a shift in perspective that, that'll be affecting me. And I'll be looking at Jomo a lot more closely. And, and, yeah. But anyway, I, I, I do recognize on your homepage 
that you are also on social media. Um, I've connected you in, with you and, and several of those platforms, but if people want to connect with you, they can there. And is there, if people have any other questions, is it through that, uh, through your Skyview coaching website for them to contact you? Absolutely. They can go to the website and sign up for my newsletter. You can uh, connect with me there. It will uh, direct you straight to email. And I would love to hear from you and, and be happy to, to have a discovery session with you if you need some time to, to reflect and decide if coaching is the right avenue for you, the, the right modality to help you move through if you do feel stuck and feel you need additional help. Absolutely. Well, great. Well, thank you, Anne, for your time. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation, and I enjoyed your book as well. Thank you, Robert. I appreciate it. I had a great time with you. Thank you very much. Again, everyone, today my special guest has been Anne Papiati, and we've been talking about her book, The Gift of Shit, Discover the Key Within to Unlock Your Best Life. And again, you can find out more about Anne and what she has to offer by visiting her website, which is skyviewcoaching.com. And again, she does offer that free soul CPR gift, uh, which is skyviewcoaching.com forward slash. And it's soul CPR free gift with a hyphen between each. Soul hyphen CPR hyphen free hyphen gift. So everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again, thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Blog Talk Radio, Amazon Music, and Audible. To follow our show on any of those platforms, visit ByteRadio.me and select the one you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ByteRadioMe. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.